Last week, on the Lords of Grantham podcast, we talked the Gilded Age Season 2, Episode 5. In that episode, Ada, she got married to Reverend Forte. They were really happy. Agnes, despite protesting the marriage, she showed up and showed her support. Meanwhile, George Russell, he's staring down a strike in Pittsburgh. Not looking good. We got Bertha still dealing with uh, the Met and opening that while she was entertaining a Duke who was coming to town. Uh, we got Jack still working on the clock. Uh, we got Peggy in Tuskegee with T. Thomas Fortune last week and a whole bunch of trouble and kissing. That ain't good. And we'll follow up on all that and more this week on the Lords of Grantham podcast. And we're back. Season 2, Episode 6. The Gilded Age, what is going on, Corey? Man, I am so hyped to talk about this episode, Dave. As soon as I watched this last night, I was like, oh man, there is so much to dig into here, man. <laughs> oh yeah. But, and uh, then we woke up to some some even bigger news for us. Yeah, man. I mean, I got a BLO here. I got a Bud Line Orange. <laughs> and oh, it's... Seldom crack it out, but I think it's worth it today. <laughs> it's worth it today. For those We're in that, CNN, uh, baby. Yeah, we made we made CNN Entertainment. And uh, usually, yeah, we we talk about what's in the news. We're in the news for the first time, maybe ever first, and maybe last time. I, and, I don't put that energy out into the world, Dave. Don't don't you stop? <laughs> Start. I don't know. With that. After watching this episode, I've learned to not take Never moments for granted. Exactly. So. Well, well, Dave, we have the Lords of Grantham at gmail.com and a writer yep. from CNN reached out on Friday afternoon asking about our Scotty, thoughts. Uh, Scotty Andrew. Yep. Asking about our thoughts on the, the discourse around the Gilded Age where there's a lot of people who love it. There's a lot of people who hate to love it. What are some of our thoughts? She shared a list of questions. We gave some responses. She used yours, not mine. That's fine. <laughs> Only spent a half hour on it. Only, but that's okay. It, our name, our our pod name, got in the article. That's what yeah, matters. Yeah, and, and our Podbean link. Yeah, I mean, I I was reading. Th- I I saw. I was on my lunch break at work, and I, you know, you do the little Gmail link, and it says all inboxes. And I saw a little one next to Lords of Grantham because most of our emails tend to be about billing and uh, Patreon collections mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I saw one, and, and and every now and again we get these like spam emails from these organizations that want our money to try to bolster our audience. So sometimes <laughs> they're like, "Oh yeah, join, you know, Monkey Podcast, and you'll get ten thousand more listeners a week." And it's like, "Okay, this is nonsense." So I see CNN, and I'm like, "All right, this got to be something." Yeah. And then I read the email. I was like, "What the heck?" And then I googled Scotty, and she's real, and she has a she's written things. So I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh. So then I, t- I think I texted you like, we need to do this now. <laughs> and, and we did yeah, it. We did. And a bunch of uh, other influencers and ex-Twitter users got a few more quotes, but we're not we're not too sour about it. Our our podcast made the Shout cut. Spotlight. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll take the hour to speak about these things while they take their two minutes on TikTok and stuff. <laughs> yeah. not, not trying to make shots or anything. We welcome all the discourse. It's cool. Yeah, interesting uh, article about how people feel about the Gilded Age. Uh, mm-hmm. Do us a favor and like it and share it on uh, your your X pages, your Facebooks, your whatever you repost things on Instagram. I don't know. Threads. Yeah. Dave, yeah, yeah, did you share it on the Twitter yet? I have not shared it on the Twitter yet. I've had a busy day. so Okay. Just read the article. Will be, it you're will you're be a very shared. slow reader. Well, I mean, I, I did the thing where I scrolled and I was looking for her and I was like, okay, okay, okay. this is a long, are we even going to pop up in this thing? Oh, I did then, the automatic uh, find search McNair and it didn't pop up. And I was like, Winchell, three times. I was like, oh, come on. You're going to do me like that? Okay. Well, the one thing that I feel particularly, and I said it to our, our little group chat of, of Downton fans and, and Gilded Age fans is that uh, Scotty made reference to the fact that both of us independent of each other brought up trotter and the clock yeah and she attributed it i think she could she should have given you some love on the clock because that's fine like i got other things going on in life i'm just yeah. gonna drink some of this bud light orange and it's gonna make me feel great well, either way i mean maybe you're listening to this because you saw our link in, in scotty's article mm-hmm. uh hopefully a we couple people 
Welcome. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the party. Um, and that's, but, that's, I think that's what we got for now. Any updates in the world of uh, our television shows? Not any updates to really share, but the one thing that jumped out to me when I was actually doing some research for that article, just like things to share, because one thing we talked about last week was, you know, Julian usually writes these shows alone. He wrote all of the Downton Abbey by himself. He wrote all of Belgravia, the English game, what, what have you. The thing that has eluded us that we should have picked up on earlier is that there is a co-writer on the season on at least a handful of episodes, including last week's episode, Sonia Warfield, uh, mm-hmm. which totally caught me off guard because I just assumed Julian would be taking this alone, but she's uh, an executive producer on the show uh, and also a writer on uncertain uh, episodes, um, especially taking on some of the racial politics and the misogyny. She's a woman of color. So uh, obviously that's something we flagged with Julian. Like you're not a guy who may be so on the up and up with that last week, but I was, I was shocked to see that news. I'm, I'm, I welcome it. It's great. Um, yeah. It makes our criticism feel a little less valid. It does. It makes me a little bit more confused as to how some of that stuff slipped by last week in terms of like, what ha- happened with the uh, Peggy and Fortune in the barn and everything? It just still doesn't feel right. But hey, you know, at least it wasn't the, Julian alone. The kiss doesn't feel right, but yeah, the racial inequity feels a little more just. Yeah, being talked sure. about by Julian. Yeah, and I mean that's a good jumping on, on point to this week because that storyline remains separate from the rest of the series. I mean, that is the the funny thing is they make great efforts to really show Peggy's story yet throughout the series they've just not done a very good job of integrating her with the the storylines going on to the point where yeah. I'm I'm confused as to how much work she actually does for Agnes there's literally one scene where we, we see her at uh, talking to, I think to her parents transitions to the next scene and she's working for Agnes and it's like wait what mm-hmm. and then uh, the next time we see her she's talking to Marion and then she's in Fortune like there's no rhyme or reason to her her daily routine for us as a viewer, right? So I, mean, she seemed, that, I think it, we jumping off with the the fact that they just make it back to New York easy. I felt right. like we were going to spend more time down south. Yeah, and it's not like we're asking for them to spend time there. They literally left last week as if it was a cliffhanger, but the cliffhanger was them kissing, not them in peril. Hmm. Uh. So. I don't know. I, I I don't need to see more of that, but it just seemed a little like, well, that was really serious, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely yeah. was, but <laughs> I'm glad to see you all made it okay. Good to know. Um, but in terms of uh, this, she's who is she talking to about this? She talks to Marion. She talks to Marion and her parents about it. Her parents are livid with her. But right. first she talks to Marion. Yep, and she says he's married. It was wrong and it was foolish, and he's just a friend now. That's never not a good how excuse. That, not how that works, Peggy. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's funny, too, because Marion asks him, you're in love with him. And Peggy's like, well, hold up there. I did not say that. <laughs> I, I, She's too late. Too late to, to make any adjustments now. Yeah. Uh, and the only thing she's certain about is that she'll get hurt. Oh, yeah. The hurt has already begun. There's no way out. Mm-hmm. Which is but, really upsetting, which is, I think, kind of one of the reasons that they really need to ace the landing of this plot, because we can't have Peggy, this career woman who is trying to make change in the world, get muddled up in a relationship subplot that affects her job. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because we want to work in Fragness, you mean? pretty much right <laughs> what did you repeat that <laughs> you want you want us to see her working for agnes that's the job or her news i want to see job? her i want to see her doing something meaningful without some emotional hang up behind oh it. yeah right no it, it definitely feels like they're just in uh shoehorning in this whole romantic plot for peggy when they already have enough to work with and we see that in the, in the scene where she's talking to her parents about that article and how it's kind of you know uh, what's she called? There, well, a she's telling about what happened. They're worried that she get hurt, but her mom's telling her about like local inequities going on and stuff. And again, that's still we're moving the plot. But at the end of that scene, though, it's uh, Peggy's mom saying like, "No, you need to learn about this stuff. We're gonna head off." And the dad's like, "Can I join?" No, you're a bad father. <laughs> and they still, still really hate you. Don't forget about it. 
Exactly. They still haven't resolved that, and they could have spent more time with that this season or worked on that. Instead, we got Peggy da- having dalliances with a married man that's a real person, and it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Anyways, we, we uh, it does at least bring a different perspective to the show, at the very least, if as little integrated as it is with everything else. And that's really all we get for Peggy, right? No, I mean, she goes to the education board. We oh, the education, how, obviously, yeah. So They're yeah. trying to shut and, down these women of color from teaching because they're racist there and they don't think these people are these women of color are equals to teaching students and so it's just like wait what no these people can teach okay probably better marion marion yeah anyone's better than marion um so sign the petition to stop to, to stop the board from shutting it down and she's focused on making this a, a story to the point where she even suggests to fortune do we even need this article about tuskegee in there my parents don't like it, but like, do we need this in there? And Fortune's like, it's a great mm-hmm. article. We got to have it in there. With it, and then Fortune's like, we got to work, work together, hit the streets. And Peggy's like, mm-hmm. maybe we, we don't have to. Right. And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> to which we're, we're friends. Ag- ag- again, this is a real human being that existed that did a lot of good things for a lot of people as far as covering mm-hmm. these events and, and being a strong African-American voice. I don't know if he would be that naive to be like, I would totally love to keep doing stories with Peggy. Maybe he's not thinking in those terms. Maybe he's he's just like, it was a one-off thing. Maybe. We need to address it. That's the problem. Is it need The two of them need to, to say, this happened. Before I would they love can it. Move forward. <laughs> I would love it if there was a plot twist where he just says to... Uh, <laughs> says to... Um, Peggy, you know, do you, do you want me to not publish it because that section about us making out? I can cut that part out of the article. I really like writing that scene. <laughs> it was really fun to write about that piece of the story. <laughs> my my wife saw it. She read it. She had she, opinions. She read it. It means means the world to me to get it out there. Yeah, it, it's not just a story. It's that piece of it that made it in there. Um, but yeah, so Peggy's in a. a a bit of a tough situation there, fighting for this board of education. It's it really just thrust upon her, and she takes it up as a her her duty. Um, and the T. Thomas Fortune stuff is just hanging there. We'll see where that goes. And she's still working for Agnes because we just see her hanging around the house, willing to help out with whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. It's a shame because again, this is the last I'll say on Peggy, best character on the show. We said this last year. She remains one yeah. of the most interesting characters in terms of just her. Uh, just her character she's very uh, has strong integrity and it just doesn't feel like she's going to serve the best plot lines here yeah yeah i agree that's uh it's unfortunate yeah so where do we want to go from here i think uh do we want to talk about the the church and the banister yeah let's do it well banister uh, he catches a snockered uh, church stumbling the work <laughs> Uh, not just stumbling man. That, is, that is a fall <laughs> he's face down man he's, there's, he's a mess. there's like empty crates everywhere this is it's like he's a stunt a mess. fall yeah uh, how many times do you think they took that shot of uh, church falling because you know that had to have hurt like is he wearing padding I think there's padding probably behind those crates okay because yeah I mean he, he doesn't look like a guy who can take too many pratfalls on the set there at church Oh yeah, no, he's he's no spring chicken, church. Mm-mm. But Bannister's like, Wait, what? This is the head of the house, and he's drunk. Well, you know how I threatened him with getting revenge for writing that letter last year about me helping out with the Russells. This is it. I'm going to get my sweet, sweet revenge. Mm-hmm. And so he he writes a letter, but gets some news that changes his mind. Yeah, thanks to uh, Jack Trotter and Adelheide. <laughs> We find out that it was the 30th anniversary of Church's wife's passing, and she died of the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. And they do this thing where Trotter is telling the, the staff at, at the Van Ryan house about all this. And we see that, that Bannister is, he always, that Julian loves like a clever guy. So. Yeah. So Julian, or rather, Trotter says, oh, you know, his 30th anniversary of his, his wife's passing. And then we see and Dave, just do so the math stop in his head. Because I like, know people... Ah! Oh. 
<laughs> yeah, well, just to stop you right there, because I know people are shouting at us. It was the influenza. It was not the Spanish flu. The Spanish yeah, flu is what happened Downton Abbey. Down Abbey. Yes, this was influenza. Okay, listeners, you can stop messaging us now. As, yeah. you, were, as you were saying, Dave. CNN, call us back. <laughs> yeah. As so, you were saying, Dave. Yeah. So then our man realizes that that was an inhumane move, and he has already mm-hmm. sent the letter. So we see he, he goes over and he tries to get it back. Yep. From the man himself. And he just makes up a fib that he was complaining about Miss Russell's behavior with the opera boxes and that it was upsetting uh, Agnes and, and Ada and all the whole family and everything. And he, he was just like, I don't know what came over me. I just really felt like writing a letter. Well, he, said, he said I was going, I felt a little mad. And I yes. thought, I think one way for him to sort of, I, I really thought that Julian was going to lean into the fact like, oh, maybe I had a few drinks and wrote this and I regret it. Mm-hmm. Just to sort of maybe wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I know what you did kind of thing. I saw you out there that morning. But no, he just said he was mad. And yep. our man on the other side, Church, is like, well, let me read the letter then. And Bannister's like, no. You can't read it, man. You don't want him to read it. And so at the end of this episode... uh He's well. He's talking. Uh, Mr. Church is talking to Miss Bauer, and she's like, "Don't write another one, man. It's not worth the trouble." And so, no, he says that to uh, Bannister. Uh, Bauer says mm-hmm. that to Bannister. Uh, Bannister and Church see each other in the street, and uh, Bannister says, "You know, remember that one time I told you, Church, that I will get even? Let's forget about it. Let's handshake. Let's do a little Let's dance. Do, yeah. Let's yeah. be pals. We're good." And he and appreciates I, yeah. that. And that's that. I mean, I think it's kind of a even Steven plot, you know? I think it's a good way to just give them something, these actors. Uh, even if, it, like, you know, that story ended, it's a good follow-through, I think, the natural way for it to wrap. And it gives you a little bit more shading on, on Mr. Church and, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, a nice little character beat for him to know that he's, you know, he's not a man who's had an easy go of it. Right. For real. While we're talking about that side of things with Church... They're looking for a replacement for Adelheid. Yep. Because, you know, as much as she was serving Gladys and doing okay there, she's not doing well by Bertha. And so we get a short scene of people applying for the job. And it's, you know, humorous. A couple of them are just clearly not fit for the job. And we get uh, Church and uh, Miss Bruce. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Being like, nope definitely not not this british lady uh not this over eager lady oh this this she sounds french or 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 something like that yeah she's like you can try me out for a few weeks and just see how it is and they're like this woman's perfect we just need a trial session now does that what does that mean that's the one thing i really want to know what what julian has up his sleeve for this this little gimmick character there was enough details given about this woman. She was just very confident in saying, you can just try me out. It's going to spell disaster, I promise you. Yeah, I'm just curious where it falls between, like, Turner and and Adelheid herself. I mean, obviously, I don't think Adelheid is going anywhere. Not yet. And if she is going somewhere, it's going to be with Chata. Uh, yeah. So... I mean, yeah. if we can jump to jump to Trotter right now, there's really... Well, well, he's hot to trot. This is not a very uh, densely packed episode. I feel like things are moving quickly mm-hmm. in this episode. The alarm goes off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wakes up bewildered that it's 6 a.m. on the dot. And, you know, he's just like, what do I do? I, I, I figured it out. I figured out how clocks work. <laughs> uh-huh. Congratulations, Jack. Uh, and then... Uh, was it Bannister tells him apply for a patent and I'm just sitting there the whole time like you mean patent and he says like five times a a patent (laughs) sure whatever you want to call it times we've mispronounced things on this show I think we need to (laughs) assume yeah Julian's looking at us saying remember when you said Adelaide remember that no I'm saying patent now you want to come at me what about valet and valet yeah, my ears are just, you know, twisted all around to try and understand the language that he's talking to us in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so they say, yeah, apply for a patent. But the thing is, you're going to need some money to do that. 
because uh, he looks into it, and it's going to be fifteen dollars when you, just to apply, and then another and then twenty dollars if you get it. Yeah. And Dave, so I did see... the math. Fifteen dollars uh, today would be about like five hundred dollars, I think. Okay. Uh, so like when they're saying like I'll give you four four dollars, that's like the equivalent of saying I'll give you a hundred bucks. And that's just like now if I, if I asked you for a hundred bucks right now, I said, "Look, I got this thing that I really want to get off the ground. Venmo me a hundred bucks. Would you do it?" Yeah. The difference okay. is I'm I'm, I'm I'm not a servant uh, at a house who gets a meager wage. Uh, I'm well, not trying to. Who's to well, say they're getting meager wages? I don't. I don't. I think I, they're I, probably I, doing fairly well. Suddenly, I feel like I'm full of myself, saying I, I don't make a meager wage. I, I folks, I'm I'm doing just okay. I live in New York. It's, I'm doing the best I can. Okay, it's not easy. But yeah. Anyways. It, it so is, a, they. yeah. It, it, they do live in New York too. They're just trying to get by. Uh, but it is a nice scene where uh, you got Bridget, you got Peggy, you got everyone saying like, "You can have a couple dollars from me." Armstrong's yeah, well, not right. Well, because she's just rude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which and also, Trotter's like crying outside at one point. Yeah, he's really inspired by this. The only thing I'm thinking about is like these people are going to come say like, "You owe me." If this becomes an actual thing, <laughs> they want to cut mm-hmm. uh, of what they invested in. Yeah, it's like Shark Tank. Yeah, there, there's even a scene where he's uh, inside and Agnes stops him. Is like, oh, I'll give you some money. He's like, oh no, I, I don't need your money. And she's like, I love to invest in inventions. And Trotta's just like, whoa, inventions? He invented like a piece. <laughs> right. It's not like just, he invented the alarm clock. He invented a piece. Yeah. He yeah. He even stops by the Seattle hide and be like. That clock, it's working, baby. And it's ticking. <laughs> TikTok, hun. Uh-huh. Uh, so, the letter comes for Trotter the, on his patent that he applied for. No go. He's got to join the Horological Institute of Society or Society of Clockmakers. I didn't even bother writing this down mm-hmm. because the whole thing is this Bauer just mispronouncing it as a bit. I thought, I'm not going to bother to learn it because Bauer, it's in Bauer, blah, 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 whatever, is a, is a bit from the episode. So I, I figured you would. I'd play the Bauer in this situation. So Dude, I guess the try, question, try to say horological. Horological. Society of Inventors. There you go. So everyone's like, why don't we just get him in this club? Yeah. And I will see next week if Trotta can can get in there. Uh, this society of clockmakers. He needs like, you know, like he needs like courses or whatever. He needs certificates. Yeah, I, I, I can't mean, wait for. The, I, what's I the end for, game with Trotter here? He's not going to be like Tom Branson. Oh, there's going to be a plot twist where they're like time travelers, actually, the Society of Clockmakers. And it's like, Trotta, you need to go back in time. <laughs> you need to go forward to Downton Abbey, the movie three. Yeah. Uh, it. I mean, that was the question going into this week is like, where are we going with this this clock thing? I think we have a little bit more of a sense like, OK, this is going to be maybe his way out. But again, mm-hmm. I keep doing research to see if this was like a thing, like fixing alarm clocks back in the late 1800s. And there's no piece of news or history I can find that says someone invented this to even allude to Jack Trotta being the guy. Because <laughs> the patent wasn't in, in approved. Maybe that's what I, we find out. Is And that's why clocks to this day continue to not work for us. Yeah. <laughs> they, they never work on time. Okay, well, that's the Trotter of it all. Anything else? I don't think, I don't think there's anything else really downstairs. Not really. No. And the upstairs, I, mean, I feel like there's only two or three really. There's Oscar. Yep. Do you want to talk about Oscar? No, yeah, you know, let's talk about let's talk about Bertha first because Bertha. Okay. I think this is a really good episode of a reprieve. Like we are not burdened with the Bertha a lot. Mm-hmm. We have everything. Uh, Everything seems to be going okay for the opera, aside from one thing. So the beginning of this episode, we see Miss Winterton is there um, with Gilbert, 
And he's got great news. They can turn some people away from the academy. So they can get the Wilsons, the Marshalls, the Webbs, the people you want. Only caveat is Miss Winterton wants that central box that you earmarked for yourself. Mm-hmm. What you gonna do about that? And, and it seems it seems as though Bertha concedes. I mean, we don't see her say anything, but you see her kind of thinking through like this may be the option because obviously they need to. I think when getting a win over Aster is paramount, but we don't hear how it lands because Gilbert has to go talk to George about this. This is a great scene. This is a great George scene. So good. They're uh, on a train and the train starts moving. <laughs> George is like, let's talk. Gilbert says, is this train moving? Yes, don't mind it. <laughs> uh, Pay no attention to the fact that we're leaving Penn Station or wherever they're leaving. And we're heading to our wards, a war zone. Um, yeah, he's, he, remind, he reminds Gilbert, like, you know how you ran out of budget for the theater and someone came in to help out with that? You know that was me. We know it was me. And that's why I asked for the central box. And don't you forget that just because someone else comes in hobnobbing with a bunch of other people. Give and me the Gilbert's box. Like, but I, I already I already gave them my word. This is how it's going to be. And he said, look, you, you know how when, when we made this agreement, you didn't tell my wife it was me that bailed the, the theater out. You're not going to tell Winterton that she doesn't have that box until that day. <laughs> And Gilbert is just saying, I'm in a conundrum man, here, man. Like, I don't know what this I'm supposed to do. And he's like, I don't care. I got people to fire. <laughs> Bye. I got the union to break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then more news comes into uh, Bertha where she's sitting at a table. And the Duke of Buckingham has confirmed that he'll be visiting for the opening of the opera. Yeah. Big win. Yep. And her kids are like, yeah, yippee, hooray. And... I think it's who's in the yeah it's Larry and Gladys and she's like I gotta tell McAllister here to just abandon Aster and show up because a Duke is more important than anything, uh, and the, I think it was a Larry or Gladys they say like are you friends or rivals with Aster and she's like eh, they're mutually exclusive so don't worry about it. Yeah, we can be both. A nice little clever Bertha-ism going on right there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but McAllister and Aster they're meeting again. Uh, with Agnes. What is Agnes? Like, it, where does Agnes fall in the social circle? She seems like a shut-in. She strikes me, though, as someone who's like, goes way back with Agnes because they're old money. And then Agnes with Aster, they're old money. So they have some mm-hmm. uh, a, a repartee there. A, not repartee, a rapport with each other. Rapport. My, the BLO is hitting me, man. The Bud Light Orange. Uh, <laughs> so... She has the news that the Duke of Buckingham is coming, and she just tells McAllister in no uncertain terms, like you gotta get him back, you gotta you gotta bring him in. <laughs> and McAllister triple, and McAllister's like, that's not how this works. Helmet, helmet, I can't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> Who do you think I am? <laughs> and even Agnes, rather, is like, is this okay? Is this like ethical? Right. Like. When I'm watching this scene, I'm thinking, is there any other Dukes they could just woo to bring in? Does it have to be mm-hmm. this one Duke? Uh, and uh, uh, Ward McAllister is like, you know, I'll work on that, but you think of another plan just in case because I can't guarantee a thing. <laughs> I'm Ward McAllister. I don't know. I, I, I can only do so much. <laughs> I'm a simple southern <laughs> up in the north. <laughs> I don't know about y'all. But then we clearly see, like, now the pressure's on McAllister. He can no longer... He's sweating. Like, I don't know if it's just oh, yeah. Nathan Lane, but he looks like he's palp- palpably sweating in this scene. Well, he's nervous. He's on edge. This is rough. He needs a Bud Light Orange. Let me tell you that. That's, that's what Trotter <laughs> will do. He'll come back to get, like, the fourth most popular Budweiser varietal. Yep. Bring it back. Give it to Ward McAllister. Like, my goodness. <laughs> on a hot summer day. <laughs> We are. This is not a paid sponsor of our podcast. I promise you. No. Nope. Uh, drink a uh, Down Abbey gin. There you go. No, High Clear Castle. High Clear Castle. <laughs> oh, scrub that. Bleep it out, Dave. Uh, That's let's going go to. In. Let's go to Oscar Van Ryan. Yes, he is. Um, he's trying to invest in whatever this thing is. 
Have you ever played the board game Ticket to Ride, Dave? Yes, I have. That is essentially the game that Oscar's playing here. He's like, there's a railway that's going to go west, uh, Chicago maybe, who knows? I'll put my money in. Let me invest in that. Mm-hmm. And this banker is saying, look, they respect your investment, and they don't want you to be part of this higher-up board. So we cut you a check to repay you with some extra on top of that. Yeah, like he's, then, there's already a return on his investment. And yeah. Oscar's eyes bug out. Like, this is this is money to Oscar. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's not like he, he gave $1,000 and they gave him 1500 back. They gave him enough for him to go like, oh. Yeah. But he sticks to his guns and says, no, I want in. He he, he, he leaves. There. He I think he tears the check right he there. He tears the check up. He leaves, comes back with a bigger check, and the guy's like, I don't know, man. I don't feel good about this, uh, what you're doing here, especially with Maude. Will, will she it's appreciate like You're playing what, her like a fool. But it's not very clear to me what the game is exactly. He's not pushing her out of the way from investing in this thing, is he? I no, he's no. Just he's not. He says, I'm going to share it. all of my winnings with her. Yeah. So it's, it's not very clear like what the, the hang-up is between the two on this. Well, um, I think she seemed a little confused about it, and that's why he sort of stepped in. Yeah. And now I think they're viewing him as like someone who's trying to leapfrog her involvement at all and take okay. over. I could see that. And, and sort of reap the benefits without her. And he's like, look, I only have her best intentions at heart because I really like this girl. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, whatever, we'll take your money. And something tells me this is not going to go well. Something tells me, I'm just thinking chessboard here. It's got to be something where they do the okie doke. Here's some money. We don't want you part of this because they want him to f- maybe try and invest in further because he thinks it's going to be big money and it's going to be bad news for Oscar, I mm-hmm. bet you. I'm feeling, I'm feeling it in my bones. Well, it's Ponzi Railways. Exactly, because everything else is going so great for them because they go to this uh, party that's being thrown. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to Mod, and he's like, "Why don't we just get some air?" And they they go behind a little like you know uh, vestibule the gazebo. Gazebo. She's got her her pink uh, umbrella behind her, and he just starts kissing her, smooching her. Yeah. And uh, she's like, uh, or he, he's like, "Isn't this the moment you slap me?" Or no, she says that. And he's like, nah, not in our version of the story. You ain't slapping me. Nuh-uh. Not going to let it happen. He's like, I only get beat up by people when it's boys I try to kiss. <laughs> in back alleys on Easter. Not funny. But that is what happens to Oscar. Um, and Aurora Fane, they're, who is it talking to her? Like, hey, man, there may be something going on here. And Aurora's like, my lips are sealed. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Fane is... Is there... A, Who's going to he- turn heel in this show? I feel like we have to have some someone reveal their true colors. And Fane has been s- dancing around the outskirts for a while. I could see her Well, this is the thing I told Maud. This is the thing I told CNN. The actress who plays Aurora Fane is a seven-time uh, Tony nominee. Mm-hmm. And again, the extent of her involvement on the show has just been trying to pair off her cousins with significant others. Mm-hmm. And it's like why would you uh, hire this actress just to kind of get that, I don't want to say thankless, but such a minor role, Kelly O'Hara? Like, why would you do that? Even that name is familiar to me, and I'm not even the biggest Broadway guy. It's just a strange use of her. Mm-hmm. And they have maybe, done a little bit more with her this year, but still. Yeah, strange. I'm really curious to see. Because something doesn't seem right, and I know the obvious conclusion to jump to is that Maud is the one who's going to screw Oscar. Yeah. But Maud Dent seems too nice. I don't see... It would be too dramatic for her to be evil. Mm-hmm. And maybe these bankers and these investors in this railway, they're crooked. And they're going to screw mean, the both of them. But then they both... Like, they don't... Nobody, you know... I mean, that's the logical... Lose. I mean, that's the logical conclusion of this is... Oscar screws himself by investing in this railway that actually goes nowhere. He tells Maude about this, and then she's doubly betrayed that he went behind her back and invested in this thing. And then B, mm. oh, you're broke now? Mm-mm. No thanks. Yeah. We'll see. That, that's Yeah, Maude seems too nice, though. And Maude comes for money, right? So. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. 
what else do we have? We have uh, obviously the big ones. Uh, do I feel like we're are we? Is there anything else but the big three in this episode? No, I think that just the big three are left. This is one episode where we didn't have any time for appearances from Borden. Uh, we didn't see Watson. Uh, Watson. Uh, and I'm sure when we see Watson next week, he'll be like, I'm still thinking about that offer that was made to me. <laughs> um, no, it's just the big three. So we have our pick. It's uh, the Let's George do Marion his... first. Let's get this okay. one out of the way. Yeah. So I mean, this party she's... Yeah. is uh, Dashiell's family has been mm-hmm. uh, doing some work with the botanical gardens his whole life. And we see in an early scene that Marion sees a, a portrait of Dashiell's um, departed wife. Yep. And they're like, oh, you coming to the party? And she's like, no, I got to teach. I teach these poor people how to read well, and she write. She doesn't call them da- poor people. Everyone else calls them like... Yeah, everyone else. <laughs> degenerates <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And and Dashiell, for the first time, we see him kind of flare up. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You surely they can teach themselves. Well, surely you can take a week off. Well, he tell no. The key things that he says to her is like, "You're not a real teacher." Like mm-hmm. you know, you're you're just like a like he, he doesn't say, it, but you're like almost like a substitute essentially. And like that offends her obviously because she sees herself as a real teacher. Which well, we we watching at home started pumping our fists. I tell her that because <laughs> you're not a real teacher, Mary. <laughs> we can't take you seriously. You just you're just a sub who likes to show up and like paint colors. And then when they ask you to actually do teaching, she's like. Am I even fit to teach? <laughs> like that's her response when they ask her to actually mm-hmm. teach. Like, come on, don't be appalled by what he's suggesting there. Uh, but I get it. Offense taken by her. So uh, Agnes is very much like leave the poor people for themselves for the day. Yeah, don't work with those and reprobates. Then, and then we get to the point where uh, she's teaching, and we see Marion is teaching these. They're like adults, mm-hmm. and. The other teacher comes in and is like, hey, you going to the party? And she's like, no, I have to work here. And she's like, well, you can go. You can go to that party. Why would you not want to go to that party? It's going to be great. To which I was thinking we're going to find out that someone whispered in this woman's ear to tell Marion. But no, Mm -hmm. she is just eager for Marion to go to a party. Yep. And so Marion goes, and it's funny because everyone's like, it's the evening. And I understand the back then, the evening is the afternoon, but it's so funny. Everyone just keeps saying evening. It's like sunshine outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Francis yeah. sees her, and she's like, oh my God, Agnes, Agnes, Marion is here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's hyped up. Everyone's there. It seems like everyone got this invite to Dashiell's, uh, uh, was it, plaque? Uh, Reveal unveiling, yeah, yeah. I mean, Gladys is there. It's like, there's a, there, it, the opening of a solarium. Yeah, there's that brief exchange with Gladys and uh, Francis. Who, Francis, where it's just like, you must be glad to not have Oscar on your tail. She's like, yeah, I'm happy for him with Maude. I just wish other guys. Oh, would well, stop Francis, Francis for me. gives her flowers and asks her if she likes oh. flowers, and there's some dowager esque quip. Yeah, because everyone's after uh, after Gladys, and is it Larry who just tells her, yeah, just enjoy it, you know. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Or, or Mary or whoever. Larry and Gladys are like, look, yeah. you don't need to worry about that guy chasing you. Yeah, they're the predator and the prey, the sort of exactly. social elite being pursued. But, I mean, there's another prey and predator. It is yep. Dashiell. And, Dash and, says, it's time to, to, I want to make a speech. Mary and join me up here. And it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, this ain't going right. Uh. I mean, she's very she's been puzzled by this invitation the entire time, uh, mm-hmm. but she goes up there and he says, "I'm excited for all the witnesses right here. I'm proposing, getting on one knee. Will you marry me?" And before she can even say anything, Agnes starts clapping. She goes, like, "Bravo, bravo!" Agnes is on one in this episode. She's really everything I hate about her, and also she has all the good parts about her this episode too. But man, this is she a nice is, mixed bag of that. This is way better than last week, Agnes. Yeah. And what is it? It's like she 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 looks over and sees uh Dashiell's daughter, Frances. She turns to Dashiell and she's like, If you really want me to, which is a real ring endorsement there. She's like, you know, I'm a real teacher though. Just say I'm a real teacher. Just just say it out loud. <laughs> uh I I like that though, uh was it Ada who is there to tell Agnes quickly, like, like 
She didn't say anything yet. Don't clap. Come on now. But everyone's into it. They're all into it. There's nothing to persuade them. It's already the ball's mm-hmm. rolling down the hill. And before you know it, Marion's drinking a Bud Light Orange just trying to console herself. Because she's she just made a bad choice there. She's in deep. Yep. Uh, yep. And then I think she says to... Well, ties into a later conversation that we'll talk about in a moment. But she mm-hmm. tells Aunt Ada, she's like, I... I didn't know what to do. You said it has it's all the things that I need in a partner. I, I, I didn't know what to say. And then she, she's clearly not thrilled about this decision being put in no. place. And, and she's talking to Larry on the street. And he's like, shouldn't you be celebrating because you're engaged? And she's like, oh, I completely forgot about that. I'm, I, I'm, I'm engaged. Yeah, that gigantic rock on your finger. <laughs> I don't think he had a rock for her, right? No, he didn't. <laughs> the, uh, there was no ring. So... That is one more reason. If you don't have a ring, that engagement don't mean a thing. So we'll see well, Marion um, next week. <laughs> what's the history of engagement rings? I feel like... When did engagement rings be- become a thing? Yeah, I think ja- Jack Trotta be... invented them. Uh, <laughs> okay, the 1400s. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, I'm they, pretty sure they they've been were... around for a long time. Uh, so well, Some, some things are like shockingly late. Like We talked about it before with Oscar and his sunglasses. Those... We're not a thing until the 1920s or something. Dashiell yeah. spent all of his money on the plaque that he put mm-hmm. on display, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there, there you go. Marion's engaged, and we cannot be less enthused or care, <laughs> care more. Um, I will say, so. I think this might be Louisa Jacobson's finest moment of the show. Like, she actually feels yeah. a little, you know, her tension is, is palpable. It's, it's, you can yeah, totally you, feel it. You do feel the the vibe that she does not want to be there at all, and you do feel yeah. for her in that moment. Like that is really stressful. Um, and I, I you, if they, this is the funny thing where it's like we're saying like, what's wrong with Adol uh, with um with Dashiell this whole season, and then this episode's like, oh, he's another guy who doesn't seem to listen to women and what they're communicating to him. It seems like mm-hmm. great, yeah. Great. Like, and when he says like, our family's not complete, you you mm-hmm. know you're the perfect mother for my daughter it's like oh boy yeah that's rough bro <laughs> it's funny too when uh no, earlier a pupil, the, not a daughter yeah it's funny too earlier in the episode when uh marion comments that the portrait like oh man that must be tough to look at her and he's like every day and she looks over at his daughter and it's like oh oh yeah mm-hmm. hard times anyways yeah we'll see where that goes we got two ways to go well, let's go with the if Forte and the Ada right now. Let's yeah, do it. This, this, this is not a closed book yet. Nope. They're back from honeymoon, and they, they had a good Niagara time. Niagara Falls. The, oh, yeah, baby. Get, Agnes does do not it. want to open these letters from Ada. She's sick of hearing from her. Yeah, it's just that it was beautiful. It's like, yeah, we get it. And the only thing is uh, his back is a little rusty, and he's like, it's because I've been carrying her around everywhere. <laughs> and Ada straight up tells... Tells Agnes, like, he carried me across the threshold. And Agnes is like, that's not a, a thing anyone should be talking about at your age. Yeah, more than I need to know. And, and they're there's home. also, there's the moment where where uh, they arrive at Agnes's house. And she's like, oh, yeah, we've been home for a couple of days. We were settling into the rectory. And you see Agnes is like, what? <laughs> Keeping in mind the last time we talked to Agnes, she did not want to read the letters from Ada. Mm-hmm. So now she's like, wait a minute, you didn't come to see me immediately? It's like, oh, no, we had to adjust. Yeah, but yeah, uh, new, yeah. News to all of us that Ada's living at the rectory. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean they're married now, so they had to make right. some arrangements. And he's even got a music box. They're they're just hanging out, and then this music comes on, and she's like, "What is this?" And he says, "Yeah, you know, this is a music box. It ain't no thing." That's yeah. A cut to a woman cranking it manually in the the room <laughs> somewhere else. Uh, but they're dancing. She. Uh, Ada says it makes her feel like as if she was 16 again. Mm-hmm. And we, we did kind of just glance over the fact that in the true Julian fashion, he goes to stand up and he's like, oh, my back hurts. Yeah. She, she's really working him out. That's really what it is. Ada's mm-hmm. just really doing work on him. Um, well, I mean, she's been a Spencer her whole life. This is a... She's catching a up. They're catching up for, for lost time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, would not so be then, shocked but, but Ag- Agnes goes we're calling a doctor right now you're you know we gotta get you checked out mm-hmm. Agnes says that Ada says doctor. that right 
Well, Agnes is like, call a doctor. Well, yeah. Agnes is, or Ada says he refuses to see a doctor, and Agnes is like, not on my watch. Yep. You're in my family. You got to see a doctor. Mm-hmm. So he goes to see the doctor, and then the doctor says everything is okay. And you know immediately that Julian has something up his sleeve. Right. Because he goes again, mm-hmm. and he has cancer. Yep. Starts and with the back. It's spreading. Uh, and yeah, the news is just spreading around to everyone. And they're re- readying, readying to kind of have him move in with uh, Agnes uh, at her home. And they're not moving out of the rectory yet. He's still got work to do with Ada. Yeah. And Ada says, maybe one day you'll be able to preach your miracle from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, if they got me with the, the cheesy sweetness of the wedding, they had me hook, line, and sinker. Like... And I think a lot of people said this is too good to be true. Something's going to happen. Yeah. Julian couldn't even wait two weeks. He had to like nuke us with this. And someone, I, I, I saw a post in our Lords of Grantham Lounge about something happening. And I immediately clicked away. So I'm going to bring that up right now. Because I would like to give yeah. our patrons the credit for their opinions on the issue. But my goodness, I was not thrilled uh, <laughs> about this. Did you read that before Kate. you? Did you read it before you watched the episode? No. Um, I saw something about um, medical, and I stopped reading. Yeah. Well, So the thing that I go back to with this is one thing that Julian Fellows has said across many interviews about all the work that he does is he really believes in balancing the sweet with like the sour, with the negative. Like There's always mm-hmm. got to be the checks and balances in terms of that. And I mean, you see that throughout all of, all the shows. Like, you, if you watch any of the Christmas specials, Downton Abbey, there's the highs of like you know, literally, you, yeah, Matthew and Mary getting married, and then Bates getting sentenced to jail in the same episode. Mm-hmm. The thing I always brush up against with this is that Julian doesn't know how to kind of temper that. It's violent swings from them getting married last week to cancer the next week. Couldn't you have just made it like a proclamation of love last week that like, hey, I'm into you. No, you had to go all the way with, we're getting married. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is serious. And or do like, what he did with uh, Lord Grantham in the ulcer. Mm-hmm. Make him say, oh, his back hurts, but you know, not a big deal. I did a lot of walking, and the next week, my back still hurts. And then maybe the finale of this season is, I'm sick. Yeah, just slow, slow roll it. it. It just feels cruel the way he just vacillates between the two. Um, and it's like, got it. Checks and balances, sweet and uh, sour. But man, that's some real sour stuff, dude. I don't like it. No, I guess the the big question is, do we go the way of Lord Merton and Cora, or do we go the way of <laughs> what? Um, that was all a misdiagnosis, uh, even though he has got yeah. Two that it's something that people. it's not as bad as they say it is, or do we? What's our it boy seems- from Downton who dies? Daisy. Daisy's husband. No, I think his fate is sealed, honestly. I think he's out the door. I think it's going to be something, I'm I'm shot calling this right now, where his health will potentially accelerate the speed with which Marion has to make the decision about Dashiell because they're going to try and make the point of have him be married while Ada and her husband can be there or something, you know, Mm -hmm. because it means so much to him. And then she's like, humana, humana, humana. That's where I I see it potentially going. my one last thought on this is I feel like I've seen Cynthia Nixon cry more than my mom in my life. Like really ugly cry. She just goes for it with bawling as you, as she should. But across everything I've seen her in, she is always crying up a storm about something. Good crier. Good, good on-screen crier. Very good on-screen crier. Uh, yeah. Hard times for them. I mean, it it makes me feel so, so sad. Like, (laughs) Yeah. It don't do this to Ada. She what are, what are we going to do with her? She doesn't deserve a, a plot of Cuz now she'll be a widow and widow ain't going to get married. It's even worse off than a Spencer at that point in her age, yeah, right? Yeah. And she's then she's like basically Agnes. at the mercy of Agnes again. Yeah. I don't know. I I want him to be happy. Well, <laughs> let him be happy. Hard times for them, harder times for the people of Pittsburgh, Dave. Yeah, that's true. Well, <laughs> potentially Eight hours of work, eight hours of rest, eight hours of you what know, whatever. You will. <laughs> yeah, that's it. What you will. Uh, and they're stomping on it. Mm-hmm. Eight, eight, eight. Uh, 
and George is looking at where the military stationed. He's like, "We're gonna move." He's got they're, Pinkerton they're making... agents on it to stop the to stop the scabs. Yeah, Clay Clay is advising them on the whole uh, approach to this uh, battle. They're gonna move them into the mill, and they're they're not gonna be able to do anything. But yeah, so they're, they're at strike because they're just blocking people the scabs from going to work. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're gonna starve them out is the plan, but. George thinks he can maybe make a change. He'll meet with Mr. Henderson one more time to try and talk some sense into this guy. Mm-hmm. And he shows up there, and he's like, look, I'll give you the... Like, I can't... I can give you some of the hours. The wages thing can't shift, man. That's just, like, a lot of... He said, change the whole game. Henderson's yeah. like, no way, man. We want the whole whole thing. We want it all. 888, baby. Yeah, the stakes are high for everyone, and, and George is like, this is a waste. And, and even Clay was telling him, like, you know, if I had the power to say you can't do this, I'd say this is a terrible idea. And yeah, George Clay's like, let me go in there with you, and George is like, no. Because I think we see that Clay is, like, clearly the, if to, for a Poldark comparison, George is George Warligan, and mm-hmm. Clay is Uncle Carrie Warligan. You know, yeah. he's, like, the slightly more Push evil, him. older version but before leaving Mr. Henderson's house, uh, George sees Miss Henderson and her children, and he's like, oh, what's going on here? And she's saying, well, I was just having lunch before we got to go back to work, and he's just thinking to himself, what about school? There's a kids. Yeah, there's, well, there's like a teenage son, and he's like, I just started working at your mill. And mm-hmm. George is like, well, thanks. And he's like, what? He's got to work at the mill? And as as he's walking out, Henderson, you know, he, he's, he's they have one more conversation, because there's a bunch of workers standing outside, and George, he's telling George they have no choice. You know they're fighting for all their sons to have something better. Mm-hmm. And George is thinking about it. He walks back to his carriage. People are blowing smoke in his face. <laughs> yep. Uh, and he's like, you know, what can they do to bring him out of the strike? He, he doesn't know. They're gonna have to bring in a new yeah. workforce. So then we see at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. He's... Well, they hear gunshots. Yep, hear gunshots from in the factory, and they, George goes out and says, "What's going on out here?" The military, the Pinkerton agents, they're like nothing, warning shots. Mm-hmm. And we see Henderson and the Union are like, "We will die for the betterment of our work force." Eight eight eight. And then it's eight. like, "All right, well, the, the scabs are coming, so you got to make way for the scabs." Like, oh, no, 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 we brought right. guns too. You brought guns. We brought guns, son. So the military's writing their their guns up. They're doing the countdown. They're telling you got one more chance to stand down. And for the second time this episode, Julian goes back to the bag of character looks out to the crowd and sees a child and makes their dis- their, their mind up. <laughs> I couldn't believe mm-hmm. this. Like, we literally just saw this with Marion. I don't know if he's trying to show a parallel between the two, but it just seemed like lazy writing to me just a little bit where it's just like, if you just see an innocent child out there in the crowd, it'll change your heart. <laughs> no, I really thought so. George at one point screams like Henderson, take your kids and go home. Yeah, I really thought that he was gonna do that, or rather, in my head, I'm I'm watching this for a lot. I said, now imagine if he says that Henderson doesn't leave and his son gets shot. Mm-hmm. Now that is high drama, and that yeah. is artful, realistic storytelling. But Julian mm-hmm. does what he always does, and he. Sprinkles a little woke dust on George, and George like call them off. Yeah, because you know George realistically did not would not have a heart for this. <laughs> they bring it right to the line. Like, how bad can we make George on this topic? And it's like, oh, no, we can't. can't and then we see bad. Henderson and the boys start hip hip hooraying like they won. It's like I don't think you won. I think you just didn't get shot at. Yeah, they, they, they shout, workmen unite, workmen unite, and then they crack open a bunch of Bud Light oranges and they start chugging. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that's how the episode ends. I thought this was a great episode, Dave. This is like one of the strongest of the season for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I wonder how much of that has to do with leaving the some of the little plots. Like, we didn't get a lot of Turner or Winterton. Mm-hmm. We didn't get any, as we said, Watson, Bodden, uh, barely any Armstrong. Peggy sort of dramatic plot was just touched upon it wasn't really lived with yeah. it, felt like just, a, a it felt like a payoff for trotter it felt uh-huh. there's a payoff for trotter 
I'm glad about that. There's a payoff with all the strikes that they've been talking about. The Marion thing very much came to the head, which is very exciting. And then you mm-hmm. got something with Ada and uh, Forte, which I didn't expect. And uh, it's something, at least. So there's a lot to process. It, 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 it really did actually achieve what Julian likes to go for, that mix of sour and sweet. Melancholy, like, yeah. Yeah, it really it got, it got to me, everything. It made me feel something. My, my heart started beating. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's get to the rankings. Yeah. Who do you got going down? You start us off this week. Number three, I got Revan Forte. The man got cursed with cancer. Okay. <laughs> Not looking good for him. That's tough. Uh, okay. But, you know, he's he's got someone else's back to break, so he's okay for right now. <laughs> oh, gee, okay. Yep. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. How about you, Dave? Who's the number three going down? Well, number, number three, I got Ward McAllister. Oh, yeah. He's going down. He's for been real. skating, I believe. I believe uh, uh, Scotty uh, from CNN posted mm-hmm. that he's something about him crossing the horse feces covered streets of New York. Like, oh, yeah. Use those words. This man has been playing both sides, and now Astor has basically told him to just like go against whatever twisted ethical code he has mm-hmm. and get me that Duke. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, I don't know. He's just like, oh, <laughs> I do believe I need another Chicken handkerchief. come home to roost. Lord. <laughs> you can't keep doing what you're doing. You yeah. played yourself. Yeah. He's, he's in his own ward. Uh, well, number two going down, I got Marion. Mm-hmm. I do she's too. In, she's in a bind, man. She she uh she's up against it. She's in a uh, engagement. First one, she got out of it before it became a real thing with Rakes. This time she's mm-hmm. in it. This girl cannot get it right with the partners that she's encountering here. And mm-hmm. by no fault of her own, she did try to be like Dash. Well, keep your distance, man. I'm a teacher, and he just said, "You're not a teacher." Humana, humana, humana. Because you're my wife. You're about to be my wife. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah, I'll I got that all those same points, and she's she's clearly the rock and the glue of this family because when we kind of glanced, like jumped over it, mm-hmm. when we when Ada, or rather when Reverend Forte tells Ada about the diagnosis, he makes sure Marion is there. Yeah, Marion is the glue of this family, and she's uh, you know this is a rough week. Absolutely. Well, number one going down for me, this is very clear to me, it's George. This man. Really? Oh, my God, yeah. The entire season, he's been consumed with this strike going on while Bertha's been yapping at him and everything about the opera. And he literally acquiesces to to the Henderson. And obviously, morally, he's in the right. But the financials that he stands to potentially lose from this, this is something he was dead set on never doing. And then he did it. And we never see George break for anyone. He's very much resolute in getting his way and always gets his way from what we've seen on the show. He's mm-hmm. always found a way to do it. And for the first time, in the grandest of fashions, he doesn't get his way. Wow. And you see, I saw this as like an Ichabod Crane or Ebenezer Scrooge moment, not Ichabod Crane. Mm-hmm. This is his, like, he saw Tiny Tim's grave and he said, okay, time for me to change my ways. He saw this boy about to get killed. And he said, I, I can't, I got to give him, he breaks even this episode. He lose, He's going to lose about a lot of money. That's going to impact the chances of that opera opening. Prom, I promise you. Well, I feel like right at this moment, he's he's doing all right, which is why who's I, number going, one. Who's that? I who's got, that I got, this week? Aunt Ada and the Reverend. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. Oh, come on, cancer. <laughs> Just after their honeymoon. How Name a... Worse time to find out you're dying than like, oh, I just got married to this wonderful woman. Now I'm going to die. And she's going to have to go back and live with her crazy sister who's evil and mean. It, it is a pretty rough break, though. Yeah, it, I'm not going to lie. that That is pretty tough. But I also, I feel like we haven't known Forte enough for me to give him that number one. And also, he's still, they're still in their honeymoon phase. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's over now. Uh, well, Dave, who's going up? Number three, right in this given moment in time, we talked a lot about what's going to happen next, but right now, things are looking pretty good for Oscar Van Ryan. Okay. He's found a beard that seems to like him. Mm-hmm. 
gives him some PDA. He makes an investment. He sees an immediate return and says, no, no, no. I got to triple, quadruple up. Yeah. And by the way, you think that I'm doing this to stab Maude Beaton in the back? No, no, no. I'm doing this because I really like Maude Beaton. So things are looking good for Oscar. Okay. Well, at this moment in time, I have Dashiell. This guy. I I got him in a second. Oh, yeah? The guy got down on one knee and he says, I'm going to declare it to everyone. I didn't say a thing to you yet because I wanted to be a surprise because I'm so sure of this. I'm locking you down. I'm going to put a ring on it. I don't have one today. Don't know when I'll have one. Apparently, well, I didn't think you were coming, so I didn't bring a ring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're going to be my wife. Yeah. Okay, Dash. That's why I got him. And I, I, I can't lump him by himself because Francis is the reason for his success. Mm-hmm. So I have him tied with Francis. And the plaque looks great. Two. The plaque really does look nice. Nice plaque. Uh, yeah. And number two, I got Agnes. Because things are going good for her. Marion's getting married. She's going to get Ada back. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, even she, if it's not. She does go into sympathetic sister mode, and there's a very nice moment when she goes to see mm-hmm. Ada and gives her that big hug. Yeah. Like, I was feeling, I was feeling that in my core. And I, I like the moment, too, of where she just gives $5 to Jack Trotta because she's like, I like it's investors. A great moment. Great moment. Yeah. And so... And, She's very rude. Clearly didn't learn anything from last week. So happy for her keeping on, keeping on, and, you know, just living her life, her true self. Mm-hmm. Well, who's number, number one, one for you, Dave? Number one, eight, eight, eight. It's the union, baby. Oh, yeah. They did win. Put the guns down. <laughs> That's fair. That's true. Simple, like, big win. I mean, who's to say they're going to get everything they want? But the, mm-hmm. the scabs are not being snuck in at this yeah, moment. Yeah, I, I need to see the terms of the deal before I gave them give them uh, on the up and up. Well, there's no blood was shed, which is That's a true. good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but just imagine, I think one thing that we need to talk about that a lot of these sort of, Julian doesn't have very violent shows. Downton Abbey when we were in World War One, pretty mm-hmm. brutal. It lingers with a lot of the characters. The surgeries. They do a lot of brutal, brutal surgeries. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and in uh, Gilded Age, I feel like a lot of these people are so like, Imagine watching someone get shot. Like, that's going to live with you. <laughs> yeah. No. So it, I, I feel like that's the thing with, with George. It's like, we don't, George doesn't have the emotional capacity to deal with that sort of thing. When he, you start to see like, I'm a, he, I'm a man. I can't, right. I can't live with the fact that I got blood on my hands. So and, like, I, union, I they, they won. I know it sounds hypocritical to have George at number one and then not have the union going up at number one for me because with George, at least, I think this will stick with him. No matter what the deal is that they broker, the fact that he had to admit that he lost for a second is going to stick with mm-hmm. him. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I need to see what the they're getting to go up because at number one going up for me this week, I kind of can't believe it now that I'm looking at it. I got Bannister. This guy okay. was about to ruin Church. He had him under his thumb. He saw this guy bumbling around drunk. And I just thought it was such a big moment of him to be like, look, get that letter, get it out of there, and just say, water under the bridge, man. It was just such a good character moment for, Ban- for Bannister to really tell us what kind of guy he is. Like, I'm not trying to ruin this man. Like, what, what is that going to prove? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, big ups to him. It really showed his character. And he also gave money to Jack Trotter, too, with his clock. And talking about paint. the clock team. Oh, yeah. Save the clock tower. That's what we want. Jack, Jack Trotter. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Dave, that's Gilded Age for this week. Have you been watching anything else? Golden Bachelor's over. Oh, I, I didn't watch the finale yet. Uh, but I heard who he chose. But it, you, what a disgrace! Oh, you were you did not approve of the, of no. the choice? No, no, no. I hated uh, Teresa, whoever won. Okay. I think they did a really good thing, though, that I have not really seen. I've only watched, this is my second go-around of Bachelor, Bachelorette mm-hmm. programming, where instead of having, like, the rose ceremony, he went to the other woman and told her, like, it's not you. And she got upset, right? Oh, she was screaming at him. She's like, so what about all that time we spent together? <laughs> Tell me about that, Jerry. Yeah. Did he start and, crying? Oh, of course. He cries every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. I mean, the tough, tough did, situation. They did not announce the Golden Bachelorette. Everyone was thinking they were going to do that. Oh wow! 
But maybe they did announce that they're airing the wedding live on TV. So Oh, maybe that's when they'll announce it. Hopefully. I mean, feel weird knowing that you're celebrating someone's wedding and you're going to like dovetail it with a, here's the announcement for another TV show about this one of the guys, women this guy dumped. But. ABC's paying for it, you know, so. Yeah, let them let do it. Yeah. What about you, Corey? Anything good? Um... I finished the Scott Pilgrim show. Loved that on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And then I watched that new movie on there, May, December, with uh, Natalie Portman and uh, Julianne Moore. Oh, yeah. And that looks really interesting. I watched it on Friday night, and I put it on again immediately afterwards. I watched it twice in a row. I was so into it. <laughs> really? I it fan- okay. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic because there's just a lot going on in the psychology of the movie that I really wanted to unpack. It- I was reading the reviews, and there were a lot of people were saying funny, which was like... I didn't. Huh. Expect, I didn't. So I don't really watch trailers much for movies that I hear are good. Like if it's on, on the award circle and everything, and everyone's saying like you have to watch this, it's like, well, what's the point of watching these trailers? It's not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch it inevitably. So I had no idea what it was about going into it, and yeah, man, it, it's weird. It goes places, but yeah, and it really leaves you with a lot to think about, especially yeah, in terms of like its tone. Like, what am I supposed to be laughing at? Am I supposed to be laughing, or is this? But you start to figure it out and it's like, man, that is some, that is something special. It, I, I like that movie a lot. All right. Uh, not my favorite of the year. Still, uh, it's still going to be John wick four, I think until the end of the year. I don't think anything's going right. to be better than that this year. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, we'll see. John wick you haven't chapter watched five candy cane lane with Eddie Murphy. Yeah. So you have yet to talk. I have not. I have not. All right, folks, that's it for this week. You know where to find us, lordsgrantham at gmail.com. If you work at another news outlet, we're happy to give you quotes. We'll talk to you. I'd love yeah, we'll to have my name you. out there. You'll just talk to Corey. I will sit this next one out. Yeah, we'll take turns. Uh, and find us on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you uh, get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating review if you so choose. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, and uh, on our Podbean website and join our Patreon, which we're about to record a bonus episode four. And we'll see you next week on the pod. Hey.